0: Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He is Paul DeTino. I'm Lance Meadow. Good to be with you for the next 60 minutes. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. You could also chime in via Twitter. Hashtag Giants Chat is Big Blue Kickoff Live. Now presented by Coors Light. We're going to get into the final preseason game. We'll set the table for that. We'll talk about some of the position battles still up for grabs. And, of course, we'll get to your phone call. So on yesterday's show, Paul, John and I talked an awful lot about, obviously, the Odell Beckham presser and yes. Odell Beckham's kind. We could touch on that briefly because you didn't have an opportunity to reflect on that since the announcement was made. But I found that his press conference yesterday was an opportunity for him to really reflect on his career, look back from a big-picture perspective, and talk about his goals moving forward. And he sounded like an individual, and I understand it's easy to say, and it's all about show-me-time on the field, that, yes, the contract is one goal that he had set for himself— But it's not the very pinnacle of what he had said for himself. He still envisions a lot more that he has to accomplish.
1: Well, I think when he answered the question about where he sees his legacy, um, it was made very clear that he wants to be remembered as a Giants great. And to do that, he believes he's got to get some trophies. And if that's what you're alluding to, then I totally agree with you a thousand percent. Because he made it very clear that regardless of the funds that he has – recently come into contact with. It's a good
0: way to put it. <laughs> his,
1: his drive and desire to excel and to win will not change one bit. So um, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, and, and I see it. Uh, I have felt all along uh, during the course of the summer while watching him And, of course, he then was able to prove, especially with that week in Detroit, when he went against competition, Darius Slay in particular, that he is still Odell Beckham Jr. John Mara basically said as much. That was the last box that needed to be checked. And when he went out there against the Lions and proved that competition was no match for him, as has always been the case, that was the last box that needed to be checked to really make the deal happen. And there is no question in terms of his desire to win, his intensity on the field on game day, his preparation. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Is, is one of those guys who I really believe would ball out for five cents <laughs> if, if you needed him to win a game because that's how much he hates to lose. So um, good for him, good for the Giants. And my only remark to close off my part of this opening, is that if you look at the Giants right now, and we believe that Eli Manning, who has two years left on his deal, 18 and 19, whether or not there's a 20, who knows? The Giants right now have set themselves up. Think about this. They've got the star receiver in Beckham. They've also got Shepard. They've got the star tight end in Ingram. They've got the solid left tackle in Nate Solder. They've got the franchise quarterback in place, at least this year and next year and maybe beyond. So they've got all the key elements. And Saquon Barkley. I was just going to get to this. They've got all the key elements in place. Throw in the rookie superstar running back. Throw in the rookie left guard who we think is going to be a stud. And what you're basically saying is the core and the foundation of this Giants offense should be very potent for at least the next two seasons, if not longer. Because you also know that Beckham's five-year extension, plus the deal that Barkley signed, means the next quarterback, if he takes over in three years or four years, is going to have Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr. and probably Evan Ingram and maybe even Sterling Shepard all at his disposal. It's a beautiful thing because not only does the way the Giants have constructed this offense now, given Eli Manning one more shot before his window is closed, actually two shots, but they've also set up the next quarterback who I believe to be Davis Webb and basically told him, you're going to have a bunch of really important parts on your offense as you step into that job. So that to me is huge in terms of planning ahead. The other thing is that on defense? Let's flip it. It looks as though, over the course of the next couple years, you've got key players in Jenkins, in Snacks, uh, in Vernon, in Landon Collins. Because I do believe now Landon Collins is the next big guy they're going to have to take care of. But they could tag him, which then ties him up here for another another That's year. That's always or two, an option. Probably yep. two years because they could do it twice. They're giving Eli. A quality defense, it looks like, as well. And when that window finally closes, and let's just say in three years, for argument's sake, and I don't know that it's going to be, but let's say that Jenkins is gone in three years, or Snacks is gone in three years, or OV's gone in three years. Well, guess what? You know who's still going to be here in all likelihood? Landon Collins, Dalvin Tomlinson, B.J. Hill, Lorenzo Carter, Young Nucleus. They got some guys that they can even build around for three years down the road. Eli Apple, hopefully. Dave Gettleman has done a marvelous job in just a short time of not only giving this chan they've given this team one more chance to win in the short term, but he has also given them a chance to project into the near future. And when the transition is complete from franchise quarterback Eli Manning to the next guy. He's already got himself established, and that's without even an April 2019 draft, okay? Because I would go as far to say to you in April 2019, I bet you Gettleman hits another home run. Giants are going to be okay.
0: Well, that's why what you just laid out, Paul, is why the draft is so important. Because when you're able to build a young nucleus around even a veteran quarterback, it gives you the flexibility to have these guys on rookie contracts for at least the first four years. The majority of them. And then you determine if you want to pick up the fifth-year option for first-round picks. So that's what the Giants are putting together on both sides of the football. Uh A nucleus of weapons that are young, that still haven't reached their peaks and putting that around D-line Manning and expecting to be competitive. So that's obviously encouraging and promising. They will need to do some tinkering, obviously. They will need to supplement,
1: add depth, add fringe guys. Well, like any other year, you got to tweak. But it looks to me like there will be some cost certainty with core guys on both sides of the ball, not just for the next year or two, but even a couple of years beyond.
0: This, this is a very, very well-crafted plan by Dave Gettleman. The other thing I wanted to point out, connected to contracts, I was going through just the Giants draft and the wide receivers specifically. Paul, what makes Odell Beckham's contract unique? When was the last time that a Giants wide receiver who was drafted got a second contract? Oh, I mean, think about it. I mean, this is a big milestone. For not just Odell Beckham, but for the organization. Well, remember, Cruz was a free agent.
1: He was he not drafted. Apply. He doesn't apply. So does he not... does
0: not apply, and he did get a second contract, but he was undrafted. Well, I'll go through the list with you. I believe, based on my homework, I believe David Tyree would classify as the last. Well, he was Giants drafted really wide receiver. receiver. He was well, a special team. You're gonna demon. say he's, I get that. That's why he was here. But he, he was not. Here he to ran be a routes receiver. though. He did catch passes. He it's did, not, but so you don't even want to classify. Him? I don't want to. Well, classify. then if that's the he, he case, he was a special team. So if if that's the case, then I'm curious. Then real quickly, go, ahead, go through. Who it. is going to be off the last one? Me. Because I think this is very interesting so we got to go back 2014 is when Odell Beckham was drafted okay so then you go to Ruben Randall 2012 did not get a second contract Jarrell Jernigan in 2011 did not get a second contract we go to 2009 Akeem Nix did not get a second contract Ramsey's Barden same draft class did not get a second contract Mario Manningham he left to go to San Francisco mm-hmm. he did not get a second contract in 2008 Steve Smith was negotiating but then decided to sign with the Rams, got hurt. He did not get a second contract. No,
1: he didn't go to the Rams.
0: Well, he was... He got hurt and then went to the Eagles. Correct. Wasn't I thought that there was something with the Rams, though, in between. Am I, am I confusing myself? No. Maybe I'm confusing myself. Okay. And then Sonoris Moss, 2006, did not get a he second never contract. Got, he never got a second one. Okay. Then we go to 2004, Jamar Taylor. No. He did not get a second contract. 2003 is when we get to Willie Ponder and David Tyree and Kevin Walter. No, I'm not going to count Tyree. Well, you're not. Tyree technically got a second contract. I get it. But that, that doesn't you don't want to classify him. Fine. No. You don't want to classify him. He got a second I'm, contract I'm because he was a Pro Bowl special teams player. I understand. But to me, it's like Cody Latimer. Cody Latimer, if you go to his Denver days, special team. Keep going. All right. You don't want to go there. That's fine. We I can don't. do it off the air. Tim Carter, 2002. No, he didn't. Okay. Daryl Jones was in that same draft class. Jonathan Carter, 2001. Ron Dixon, 2000. This is unbelievable. 1999, no wide receiver. 1998, Joe Jurevicius and Brian Alford. No. I told you. 1997. This is, un- this is incredible. Ike Hilliard. Yes. There you go. So that's our answer. By the way, first round pick. Yes, first round pick. So that's why I was looking back. Now we could get technical. I still think you can make an argument about David Tyree. I'm not you gonna. Cannot. I'm not gonna. I'm not, I'm not to gonna you. passionately say you're wrong. I get I'm it. I'm gonna passionately so then, say you're so wrong. So then, Ike Hilliard is the true wide receiver answer. 1997 was the last time a Giants drafted wide receiver got a second contract. Wow. That's why Odell Beckham's deal is extremely notable for multiple reasons, not just for the present day team, wow. but when you look at the history of this organization. Wow. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting just thinking back with all these wide receivers. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. I want to add one more thing.
1: To those folks who think that Beckham uh, is getting too large a chunk of the salary cap because, as I have preached and George Young taught me many years ago, the foundation of a playoff team starts with four key positions. The quarterback, the left tackle, the pass rushing, edge guy, whoever that is, could be an outside linebacker, could be a defensive end, and a cover corner. I have preached that forever. George Young taught me that 30-something years ago. Think of the Giants. They got the cover corner in Jenkins. They got the edge rusher in OV. They got the left tackle in Solder, and they got the franchise quarterback in Eli Manning. So they've got the benefit of having the four foundation core players that you have to have, right, as you try to build a winner. And then on top of that, they now have not only one of the best three wide receivers in the game but they also have a guy who may turn out to be one of the top 5 running backs in the game in Saquon Barkley and we know they have a guy who was just a year ago a finalist as the defensive player of the year in Landon Collins folks you can't be you can't be too disappointed with the way the giants have set things up which is why I will not be shocked, A, when they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars as the upset special in week number one of this regular season. And I will also not discount the fact that they should be realistically, at least in the conversation as a 500 team, which a bounce or two here or there could make the Giants a playoff team like the Jaguars were a year ago when they rebounded from a horror show and three victories.
0: Well, if you look at the Jaguars, a lot of things – Fell into place for them. Offensive line was tweaked. Deep defense with a lot of depth. Strong running game with Leonard Fournette. So if you look at the Giants and you want to use that parallel, Paul, tweaked offensive line with the addition of Saquon Barkley, which you hope translates to a stronger, more consistent running game. Then you look at the defense. There's depth here. I don't know if there's as many proven commodities as what Jacksonville had to offer. That remains to be seen. So that's a little bit of a difference. And then you can argue with respect to special teams, probably even – with respect to what Jacksonville had to offer versus what the Giants have to offer, but based on what we've seen in the preseason, Paul, I think special teams has made huge strides. They have. So far, so good. You, you can't dispute that. No and doubt. That has been an area. Even which has without been,
1: solidifying the return guy,
0: correct? But they've but still st- done well. And, and I'm not just talking about the return game. I'm well, just the looking coverage. Coverage game is has good, been and fantastic. The kickers have been good. Correct. So all of that is encompassed within special teams. So when you take that into consideration, on paper things look good that there's balance on this roster. The other thing I was going to add is on your top four priorities in terms of positions, i put star wide receivers number five in terms of the building blocks to your team. So Beckham would be that fifth option if you Bye. want to take it a little bit deeper. That's how I always have looked at it. Bye. Wide receiver rounds out the top five. point is, don't sleep on the Giants this
1: year. They're, they're not to be looked at as your typical three-win team coming back
0: the next opening day. They should not be discounted. We want to remind you, Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the course of the season. All right, It's time to open up the phone lines, 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. He's Paul Dettino. I'm Lance Meadow. Thanks so much for tuning in to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Joe is in Pennsylvania. He gets us going. Welcome aboard, Joe.
2: Hey, great to talk to you, and I can feel kickoff coming around the corner. My blood pressure <laughs> is building up, you know. <laughs> it's going to be a week from really this Sunday, truly, believe it or not. You know, I, I, I could feel it, you know, and, and we are looking good. Uh, uh, you forgot to mention that small-nose tackle we have on defense there, Paul Smacks Harrison. He might add a little to it there, too. Uh, but I was impressed there in the Jets game, too. You're talking about our offense, how good Boy, it, it's going to look good if that Kyle Loetta can go deep like that with his size and speed, too. He's going to be singled up on, on, say, a third or fourth cornerback. Wouldn't you say that?
0: Well, I, yeah, I, I think you're referring to the wrong player that you had in mind. Uh, Kyle uh, Loetta.
2: Yeah, not, uh, excuse me. Uh, the, the guy, for the receiver from uh, uh, Denver came Cody over, Latimer you're
0: talking about. Cody Latimer.
2: Latimer, you okay. know what I'm saying the way he went deep and with his size and his speed, well, I mean he's going to be matched, you know the way he he ran that play
0: there, man, he really showed me I didn't think he had that speed, well, he got past Morris Claiborne who bit on the play action. I'm not trying to take anything away from Latimer, but if you watch that play, that was when Eli Manning had fantastic pass protection. they ran a play action fake and Morris Claiborne bit, and Cody Lattimore said, thank you very much. I will run past you, collect my $200, and see you later. So, well, yeah, it was perfect execution. That's what it well, came down to.
2: That's what I'm saying, and you would think, you know, when we go three wide receivers, a lot of times they'd be matched up on uh, the third uh, uh receiver from, uh, or third cornerback from these teams if they play man-to-man, wouldn't you say that?
0: Yeah, in Could terms be, of who Cody Latimer's going to see in three wide receiver sets, I don't think that's a stretch that they would probably look to match up their best corners with Shepard right. or Beckham, but keep this in mind, Joe, certain teams don't move their corners around. They keep guys on respective sides, so you right. can't right. take that I for granted. They'll,
2: they'll, yeah. I think the Giants, a lot, they will zone us a lot. I, I believe that. Will Jacksonville go zone, or they go man-to-man, mostly? Well, man. yeah, Jalen
0: Ramsey, they're confident that him and A.J. Boye can handle their own. They're not oh. worried about zoning it up. And, I mean, they did have Aaron Colvin last year. He joined the Texans. He was a really good slot corner. That's going to be the interesting position to watch this year for Jacksonville. Who's going to be that third corner for them? I'll tell
1: you what. If teams really try to play a ton of man-to-man against the Giants, they're going to be very sorry. Because when you 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 throw out, and I think Shepard is just looking better than he's ever looked before. uh, I think right now, man to man, it's dangerous to try to cover him because he's that good right now. He looks like he's going to have a huge yard after the catch season. Well, I think it depends
0: on the opposing personnel, Paul. I mean, if there's teams, for example, Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Poirier are legitimate good cover corners. That's what they do. So, you know, you'd feel confident if you have them on your defense that they could go out and match up. unless
1: you have elite guys to do that, You'll be making a mistake to play. No, and against I agree with Giants you. It's team. extremely
0: risky
2: right. to do that. Yeah. Right, because Shepard went deep. He showed his speed there, you know, going deep, you know what I mean, and catching the ball against the Jets, too. And, I mean, Beckham, any of them guys like that, you hit them if you're one on one. And, I mean, one of the receivers or the cornerback slips and the Giants get it to them, it's all over. So, well, that's why Joe, what you're pointing
0: to, Joe, is what separated the Giants from other teams in previous seasons because Odell Beckham would run his routes, they'd bring the safety over the top and then it was a matter of, can guys on the opposite side of the field make plays? So to Paul's point and to your point, it's not so much what Odell Beckham does this season, it's can Shepard take advantage of his Opportunities can Evan Ingram take advantage of his opportunities, and will we see that third wide receiver like Cody Latimer flourish? That's going to make or break this offense. And I know that
1: John had some analytics stats that said the play-action pass doesn't necessarily open up the passing game. But come on, you just said it, Joe. Uh, There's no question. If a linebacker or a safety, never mind even a corner, but if a linebacker or a safety is faked out by the play-action pass. That's one step slower in coverage they're going to be if they're trying to help somebody out, and Uh, and that's to the Giants' advantage. Case closed.
2: Yeah, I, they're they're, you know what I mean. They're whatever. It's if we can run the ball and that offensive line can give them time, uh, really and truly, that offense should be no really give everybody uh, trouble there. Uh, what I want to say, who stood out here with the, with these uh, teams here yet that are that we're playing? I'm saying when I'm watching some of these rookies, well, he's not a rookie. Sharp there, you know, I, he, he shows a lot of potential. I know he had a few drop balls, and the other guy there that was running back the kicks against the Jets. I, I was hoping one of them would make, make the team. Do you think they're Raymond, on, on think the bubble? Raymond, I think, is
0: who you're referring to. I think you're referring to Khalif Raymond, Joe, yeah. and Hunter Sharp, the two guys who had good returns in the last right. game. And, right. And we'll, we'll let you go on that note, Joe, because we want to get to a few other callers, but yeah. thanks so much for weighing in. That, to me, brings us to some of the battles and positions to watch tomorrow night, Paul, and I think Joe hit on it. Big opportunity for Hunter Sharp and Khalif Raymond, if you're the Giants, still trying to think about who's maybe the fifth wide receiver at this point.
1: For me, I think only one of them can stick. I don't know that the Giants have enough room for both of them because I'm of the opinion right now they're going to keep five wide receivers. I don't think they're going to keep six. In years past, they've sometimes kept six. I don't think they can afford to do that because I think they're thin in the secondary. I think they need to probably keep an extra defensive guy in the front seven, knowing that Vernon is nicked up with the ankle right now and he's still listed as day-to-day, I think they probably are going to try to maybe keep an extra offensive lineman if they possibly can because they're really thin on the depth chart on the offensive line. So I'm thinking it's going to be five receivers. And for me, after Latimer at three, Russell Shepard's four. And that means one more.
0: The only thing that I'm thinking is if they – feel good about what Roger Lewis has provided in the past and on special teams. He had a great block on that return.
1: Terrific. It was the final block on the sharp sharp. touchdown. So,
0: you know, it's things like that, Paul. I'm bringing that up just to say you need guys like that to contribute on special teams. I could see it going to six if they see Roger Lewis's value on special teams. That's how I could see them getting to six again.
1: Remember, they're probably going to keep Shane Smith at fullback. So it's not like you can steal a spot from the fullback because I think they're going to keep one.
0: I would agree with you there. The question is, I mean, does he classify in their mind as also a tight end? And if they keep three tight ends, would he he be included in that? I don't
1: think. So you say three tight ends plus Shane Smith is what you're arguing. uh, Yeah, because they want to run a bunch of two tight end sets. And right now, Evan Ingram is in concussion protocol. You cannot afford to go into week one against Jacksonville with the only true tight ends on your roster being Adams and Ellison. That is a very dangerous thing to do because, if either first of all, they're not as dynamic you know, as the other combination. Yeah. But if either one of them gets nicked up, now you're going to tell me Shane Smith has to go in there into the double tight end set, which they're going to try to run a lot this season? Even if it's for one week, that's not a good idea because now you've hurt two positions. Your tight end position's not going to be as strong because Smith is not a typical tight end, and you're not going to have a fullback. That's not good.
0: Let's head back to the phone line. Scott is in New Mexico. Scott, what do you got for us? Morning, guys. How are you? Hi. Doing well, Scott.
3: Uh, Listening to your monologue this morning, it sounds like you guys are starting to drink the Kool-Aid that I drank back in uh, late June about the Giants being a contender. We drink Gatorade here, by the way, just so you know. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I had a question about... um, The contract uh, with Odell Beckham, if it runs its full course, he'll be making 19 million a year for five years with 65 million guaranteed. I talked on previous shows. I didn't know we're paying Nate Solder about 35 million guaranteed. does it, make, does it make it uh, essential that this year the Giants perform, because do they have any money left to sign outside players, um, and there are some weaknesses on the Giants, but I was just concerned with that. Is and I know, Paul, in an earlier conversation, you talked about a capologist, and Lance, you alluded to the fact that the cap space is going up, but still that's a lot of money to be paying out, so... Will there be money available, do you think, for other players? Well,
0: see, the the reason why I'm a a little skeptical of starting to think about what's going to happen in 2020 and 2021, Scott, is because contracts tend to be tweaked from one okay. year to another. So, you know, when you look at Odell Beckham's contract, yes, I understand it's laid out, the five-year extension in addition to 2018, but, you know, who's to say that they don't maybe make a change, a change to it if they need to free up some more money elsewhere two or three years down the road. So, you know, it, it's hard to sit here today and say the Giants are not in a good position because of all these guys that have multi-year contracts.
1: You also got the CBA expiring in just another right. couple of more exactly. years. Exactly. And the cap
0: goes yeah, I was up. up mention that. Scott mentioned so, too. Yeah.
1: Nobody knows how that's mm-hmm. going to alter everything and quite frankly if you did listen to the monologue i'm going to be honest with you scott the way i laid it out it looks as though the giants are going to have the better part of six or seven solid core players on both sides of the ball for at least another two years if not longer and so they don't have to sign any high price free agents to be a competitive team in my mind if they draft well again in april of 2019 imagine adding Let's just say two more stud offensive linemen in April of 2019. Right. Maybe, maybe add another corner. We know that Sam Beal is already going to be part of that draft because sure. he was taken this year. Yep. I mean, think about this for a second. The Giants, they've got a lot of really good guys who are going to be around for at least two more seasons in their starting lineup.
3: Yeah, and I think that's great. The question I had is, and I think John addressed it in an earlier conversation, is looking for backup tackles, uh, probably in the waiver wire. And I was wondering, because of the money being paid out, all the, will there be money available if somebody comes to fruition via the waiver wire where we can actually sign a, yeah. a backup tackle or so forth?
1: You don't need to worry about that because anybody who comes available as an offensive tackle in another week or so is going to be a fringe player. No one yeah, who is really worth any type of substantial contract is going to find themselves cut on April 1st. Now the guy may be good enough and functional enough for you to upgrade your roster at the third tackle spot. But he's not gonna be a guy who's gonna command a whole lot more than the
0: veteran minimum. Yeah, you're not gonna maybe a little
1: bit, maybe a little tiny shiny bonus, but not for the kind of money you're talking about.
0: Yeah, you're not gonna have to break open the piggy bank for any player that you may add before the final three. Uh, final. Uh, the Redskins are not kind of cutting Trent uh, Finalized Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: my my final question has to do with that. Uh, there were five players listed. Uh, I listened to. I guess it was Joe uh, before in regards to Hunter Sharp and Kalief Raymond. Uh, Hunter Sharp has shown in the preseason of proclivity to be dropping passes. I wasn't worried about his punt returning, but his dropping passes and. Kyrie, uh, Khalif Raymond seems solid on punt returns, and uh, what I've seen in practice is impressive. So I, I'll take this question off the air between Hunter Sharp and uh, Khalif Raymond, and then two other players. One I talked about on Monday, Kerry Wynn and Romeo Aquara. If all things, if apples are to apples, so to speak. Uh, who are the two players that either of you uh, would take on your team? And I'll take the question off the air, uh, guys. Thanks. All
0: right. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much uh, for weighing uh, it, Scott.
1: Well, first, I think he's going on an erroneous premise because last week Hunter Sharp dropped two third-down passes that would have been first-down conversions, but the prior week against Detroit, he,
0: had special he teams muffed yeah.
1: a return and then, and then fumbled, fumbled one. a return. So he has had trouble holding on to the ball both in the offense and in the offense. And on special teams, so that's a statement you gotta kind of get fixed from the get-go before you make any other evaluation. Khalif Raymond had five fumbles last year during the regular season, and how many times did he touch the ball? He had, uh, let's see, he had one reception, and he had where's the where's his return yardage? Oh my goodness, why don't they have his here. here we go. So he had five punt returns. And three kickoff returns. So that's eight, nine. He had nine touches last year and five fumbles.
0: Oh, boy. So the fumbles came, you're saying, on special teams and offense? No, no, I'm sorry. I'm
1: sorry. Let me correct myself because he played with two teams last year, remember? Yeah. So he had a total of 18 punt returns, 14 kickoff returns. That's 32 touches on special teams and on – uh, offense, he caught one pass. Okay? So that is a total of 33? 33 touches between offense and special teams. He had five fumbles. Does that make you comfortable?
0: Well, I mean, they're also going to be based on what happened this preseason. He hasn't necessarily had it, that much of an issue that I've seen in terms of He's having trouble holding on to the football He's held the much better this, this year. summer. Yeah.
1: But that's going to be in the back of your head because those were real games, this is practice.
0: Well, and they both have connections to Tyke Tolbert, who's the wide receivers coach, because they were both in Denver at one point. Yes. I mean, it's a tough one. If you were to ask me you know, who I would personally go with if I had the choice between both, I would probably lean towards Hunter Sharp, regardless of some of his issues. I still think his upside is there, and and I still think that he provides a little bit more versatility than Khalif Raymond and also has a little bit more size. So when you take all that into consideration, if you're asking me my personal opinion who I would lean towards keeping, I would keep Hunter Sharp. As far as Romeo Cuaro versus Kerry Wynn, Kerry Wynn has been phenomenal this preseason. I mean, let's face it. The guy has done everything that the Giants have asked him to do. Every single preseason game, Paul, Kerry Wynn has made a play, whether it be on special teams or on defense. I would say that he's been the most impressive player this preseason, more so than anybody else on this roster. For what he has put down on film, it's very hard to see the Giants let go of Kerry Wynn. So, to me, I would lean towards Kerry Wynn and Hunter Sharp if you ask me both of those scenarios.
1: At Utah State, in two seasons of play, that's all he played, Hunter Sharp,
0: he had uh,
1: 100... And sixty one one hundred and seventy one total touches from scrimmage or in special teams and did not fumble once.
0: That's why I said. I, I mean what happened last season is you know, not something that necessarily jumps off the page, but he has not had an issue this summer in terms of holding on to well, the point, football. So point being, I don't think that's a major concern.
1: He's he's had he's had trouble with the ball the last two weeks, but he doesn't have fumbleitis. at least coming from college in his background. That's what I'm saying. So I'm probably inclined to agree with you between those two players, but it would not shock me if the Giants decided to pick up a return guy in a week and a half.
0: And it will also be interesting to see whether or not, you know, some other players get opportunities in this final game too. I mean, we've really seen mostly Hunter Sharp and Khalif Raymond. I was wondering whether or not they were going to test the waters with a few other guys, Paul, here down the stretch just to experiment to Hasn't see if maybe happened, somebody else surprise you. No, right it has now, not. Would have done it. You would have thought. See – one guy who's a really good special teams player and he's known more for his coverage, I would actually be interested to see Russell Shepard get an opportunity to return just to see what he could do. This would be. How about Dante Dion? Dante Dion's another one. Yeah, if you want to go the corner route. Anyway. Like those two guys in particular who are also battling for positions, I, I think would make a lot of sense. All right, let's head back to the lines. Tony's in D.C. Tony, what's happening?
2: There you go. Thanks for taking my call.
0: Well, thanks for making it, Tony. What do you got for us? got a statement and two questions I and mean,
2: i think they're fun questions ones you guys may have already thought of maybe maybe so first you know as a fan of the team and this is you know to every all the other fans out there it only helps to root for the success of players on your roster i mean there's nothing wrong with being hopeful that Webb and or la could can play this now there is a whole lot between now and then that can happen no one knows what's going to happen but both of them working out only helps us as a franchise. Same thing with Flowers and Apple and everyone no else. No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's my quick statement. So here are my two questions, and I want to hear your opinions because I want to sway your thoughts. Of the three units, you know, offense, defense, and special teams, which of the three should be the best unit for this upcom- up- upcoming season?
0: Well, I would always lean towards if your defense is your best unit, I think you're going to position yourself to be successful because you're going to take pressure off of the offense and you're going to be able to make stops. So I would always prioritize defense regardless of the season.
1: I would only say that to be realistic, I think the Giants offense has a better chance of finishing in the top five in the NFL
0: this year than the Giants defense
1: or special teams do.
0: Well, I think on paper, if you were to play the paper game, I think the offense has the highest ceiling in terms of the yeah. ability to produce. But mm-hmm. I think if you go back to the wording of Tony and he says which should be your best unit. You'd like it to be defense. Defense That's the the should Giants be your best yield. unit. When they won yeah. titles. Well, but I would say forget the Giants organization. I'd say any team, Paul. Your defense should be your best unit. Because if you can make stops, then you know you can hang your hat on that. Yeah. And you can get off the field. What's the other question, Tony? Did we lose Tony? All right. He's gone. Tony will have to wait for another program to get in the second question. A reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We're looking ahead to the final preseason game. Also recapping some news and notes regarding the team. We talked about Odell Beckham's contract. You want to weigh in various things. We have some open lines. Chris is in Syracuse. Chris, what's happening? How's it going, you guys? Doing well, Chris. What do you got for us?
4: I don't know. Tyree looked like a receiver in Super Bowl Forty Two. Listen, Chris,
0: I agree <laughs> with you. Good luck trying to convince the guy to the Syracuse, left of me. Syracuse, Paulie. Syracuse, Paul. Yeah.
4: No, nah, I got it. Was about just the only remember time this. Really I'm a Fordham
0: guy, so
1: you on Syracuse. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, no, that was about the only time, so... Uh, Lance, that was interesting. Good work on that. Um, Well, I
0: always like to look at the archives when it can help, so I thought that was an interesting nugget.
4: Okay, Polly, I got them 2-2 coming out of September. You've been throwing that around for a little while. I got them 2-2. I got them beating the Jaguars with you. I think that's black and pyrite on those uniforms. I'm not buying them uh, to keep going, and I have them beating Dallas. And then I think uh, so. I think they go two and zero, and then they drop the next two. That's that's my prediction. Very plausible. That's, uh...
1: Very plausible.
4: Yeah, because I think Watson and Drew Brees are going to are gonna give the defense a little bit more issues than obviously what I think Bortles or Prescott's going to give well, them. Well, keep,
0: keep in mind, Chris, listen, I'm not saying that it's a stretch there, but all four of those quarterbacks are mobile. Now, you want to say that Watson and, da- uh, and Brees are more dangerous? I'll give you that. But Bortles and Prescott can extend plays. They also do danger with their legs. So I think the defense is going to be tested in all four games.
4: Well, I agree with you there, but I also think that both Jacksonville and Dallas rely on the run, and so far what we've seen is that I think mm-hmm. the Giants are going to be able to shut the run down. Yeah, um, and they I don't have they, the weaponry. Know, they're going to take that away. So. Those, two,
1: those two teams don't have the weaponry on the outside, and right now with Dallas having three offensive linemen who are having health issues, that doesn't bode well for them in Week 2.
4: No, no. Hopefully the guy there – well, hopefully they all get healthy soon, but that Guillain-Barre thing's kind of scary, so – Um, So, yeah, and just one other quick question, then I'll hop off. What's going on with our special teams coordinator? Is he back, or is Quinn still filling in?
1: Quinn is the assistant to uh, Thomas McGaigie, who was hired as the special teams coordinator. Uh, Tom Quinn had a year remaining on his contract, and since he was still in the area, and obviously he knew Thomas uh, from years ago when they were both on the staff, and Thomas was an assistant uh, Pat Shermer's like, hey, you know what? He's here. Uh, he didn't get picked up by anybody. He's still around. You've worked with him before. We, we, we know he's got experience. He knows these players. Uh, why not? And so that's why he's back as an assistant. So uh, Thomas McGakey has also him, had some he health was, issues, uh, and that's another reason why you know, it kind of helps to have another guy here.
4: Right, right. I thought, wasn't he filling in like he was the only guy for a couple of weeks, or am I wrong on that? Well, it was mostly you know.
0: in the downtime in the off season right. when they had health issues that they needed to attend to, Thomas. So, therefore, Quinn came back in to sort of assist in preparation and, you know, make sure that the schemes were being implemented correctly.
1: Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Thanks, guys.
0: Yeah, you got it, Chris. Thanks so much for weighing in. Let's head back to the phone lines. We got Marco in Connecticut. Marco, what's happening?
5: Hey, what's up, guys? How are you? Hi.
0: You're doing all right, Marco.
5: Good. Um, I got an OBJ uh, point and then uh, just a couple of roster battles that I'm looking at. Um, I- I'm pumped up about the contract. I'm happy it got done, and I'm happy with the, the way the offseason has gone for Odell and the team. Uh, perfect. Perfect way to-, to get a good player like that signed. Um, one thing that I-, I don't know if it was said in his when he met with the media or Lance, you and uh, John, something you said yesterday, but I keep hearing about how, uh, and and I and I think he will. I think he has. Certainly, he looks like he's made some type, some a uh, various amounts of changes, right? Whatever they are, but and he, he looks like he's grown up a little bit. For me, I will say that the true sign of him being a leader is is you're only going to be able to tell that during the season when he's getting poked and prodded, and teams are coming after him. And that's only been my issue with Odell is like. I know the team loves him. I, I think he is a leader, but it always comes within the white lines of the distractions and like players that are getting under his skin and how his head gets taken out of the game and i and i and I hope if he views himself as a leader, I think that is certainly the next step
0: um, well with, with respect to that marco and I always hear you know people saying distraction taking himself out of the game. If you look at Odell Beckham's tenure with the Giants, the only game that you could tell me where there is hardcore evidence that it reflected badly on the team, hurt them in terms of penalties, was the Carolina game in 2015, mm-hmm. the whole Josh Norman situation. There is no other game that you could really sell me on that, despite whatever you may have seen on the sidelines, despite the fact that he's an emotional guy... It badly reflected on the team, where it hurt them in field position and it hurt them offensively. The Carolina game is the only game that I can that's recall. Fair.
5: That, that, that's Lance. That's fair. That's fair. I would say just and respectfully, I would say there's a lot of gray area that's going on with him. Uh, Minnesota jumps out to me when he and Xavier Rhodes were getting into it. Um, okay, that was one play. Re- I remember and by, that. And by the, the
1: way, the Vikings blew the Giants out that day, so is it really relevant?
5: It is relevant, Paul, because he's a leader on the team, and this there will be times during the year where we will be faced with adversity. There will be times where Eli will throw, a, a, and I hope it doesn't happen, he'll throw an interception on the last drive of the game, and the cameras will go to Odell. They will ask him after the game how he feels about it.
1: Oh, and there's no Don question. Yeah, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I just thought that you were trying to make the point to Lance about, you know, how many of these things actually hurt the team on the field, and Lance is right. That one issue in Carolina is the only one you can point to where it actually did burn them on the field. The the other The other times, I mean, the Giants were not really involved in any games where his penalty uh, cost them a victory to this point, and you hope it he doesn't it. happen.
5: Yeah. Well, last year, he got a penalty against the Eagles with the t- the touchstone celebration.
1: Yeah, but I don't think that cost him the game.
5: Yeah, but that cost him something on the field, though. That was something that directly well, look, happened on the field. Ownership
1: wants him to clean the stuff up, yeah. and he claims that he has. He's 25. John Mara says, at this age, we believe that he is more mature, and he understands what has happened. Odell himself said yesterday, if you listen to his presser, he said, "I'm not proud of everything that I've done, but what I will tell you is I've learned from him, and 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 I'm moving forward. You know, he intends to be proud of of, of his career.
0: And I actually, I, I'm going back to that game log, Giants and Eagles, because I have I track every single penalty from every single game every season. They had ten penalties, the Giants in that game. Beckham had two of them. He had an offensive pass interference, and then to Marco's point, he had the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty in the end zone." So that was two of his three penalties, small sample size, didn't play a lot of games last season, played four games. But if you go back to the previous seasons, unfortunately, I don't have my logs with me. But the narrative that Beckham's energy and emotions poorly reflects on the team is not documented where he's getting constant penalties that are hurting field position. That's what's always irritated me about that narrative. It's overblown. Completely blown out of proportion. Simply because uh, of some of the emotions that he showcased on the sideline. But, you know, I mean, him having a conversation with the football net didn't hurt the Giants at all from an X's and O standpoint. No. And that but, was – he took a lot of heat from uh, He took too. it an, amun- an immense amount of heat. But I'm all about what hurts your team in field position. If you get a penalty and it costs you 15 yards, then you could tell me that behavior is poorly reflecting on the team. That, I think, is a fair point. How you act on the sideline celebrating in the end zone – and, you know, guys slap at each other five or whatever. I mean, the Vikings got a touchdown celebration. They played duck-duck-goose in the end zone. I know you hated it. I loved it, <laughs> Paul. No, and Marco, I'll let you continue. The Vikings played duck-duck-goose because they loosened the rules last year right. to allow teams to celebrate. So mm-hmm. guys are entitled to showcase emotion in the end zone. The, the league is allowing that. I, I don't see how that's but, a crime. I, I
5: I want I definitely want to come back at you with this, Lance, but I, I don't want to make it all about Beckham because I'm happy,
0: no, I'm so, happy listen, about the contract. I'm I am happy. more than happy to oh. hear you out. Say okay. whatever you got to um, say. I'm, I have no problem.
5: No, no. It, my, my point is, and you guys, you know this because you spend time with the players. Yes, you are correct. Directly impacting, very, very little sample size. However went the things with the net and anything else that's going on post green Bay before green Bay, you could say that directly did not impact anything that went on the field. Absolutely true. However, ask the team, did they like being asked about that all the time? And I would say, the sign of a leader does not do that. They, they cannot put that kind of attention or put their you team know under what? that type of microscope.
1: You're, 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 I, and I understand the opinion that you're presenting, but I'm going to tell you this. If, if, if the writers would show a little more common sense, okay, I could in care less. Way? I could what, care less. Well, what? they're not going to because they're clickbait mongers. So they're not no, going no. to show common sense. Paul, oh, 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 oh. what
5: Paul, what And what do you mean common sense? In what way?
1: Common sense. I don't care if Odell Beckham does a waltz with the <laughs> kicking net behind the bench. Yeah. It is of total irrelevance to me. Means absolutely Zero. If Eli Manning dances with the net, he's more than welcome to do it. In fact, I'll give him a CD if he wants to get some music to accompany it. It matters zero. Too, yeah. Zero. The reason it matters is because there are media people out there who want to make it matter, who make clickbait out of it, who make it their business to ask ridiculous questions about stuff that does not matter, and
5: they cause the distractions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've, we've, I've, I've called in. We've talked about this before. Stuff like Twitter, how it's changed everything. I agree with you guys there. Yeah, and put everybody into okay. the
0: microscope. And, and, and to your point, and just expanding on what Paul just said, it's very convenient, Marco, when a team loses a football game, to point to things that are unrelated to the X's and O's as to why they lost the football game. For example, if they went on the boat trip on that Monday and people still refer to that, and then Odell Beckham had a case of the dropsies You're going to tell me that he forgot how to catch the football because he enjoyed himself on his off day? why they lost the game, you can't accept the loss, so therefore we got to turn to other things to explain why they lost the game. When you and I both know, Marco, if you go back to that Packers wildcard playoff game, Aaron Rodgers took advantage of DRC being taken out of the game in the second half. They had issues in terms of not being able to run the football and other things, such as that long touchdown that they gave up Mm -hmm. before the end of the first Mm -hmm. half, Paul, that had nothing to do with Odell Beckham, yet how does something that happened on the Monday on an off day, where plenty of other players did things with their families that nobody Talked about and took photos of, and nobody goes questioning whether or not them having time with their families took away from their preparation. Juicy clickbait. That's well, all exactly. it is. That's exactly what it is. More often than not, it's the build-up you know drama. And know Marco? If more fans
1: would not pay attention to that stuff and not click on the clickbait, maybe it would start to go away.
5: Yeah, well, I agree with you there. And I, I'll be honest with you, I've started to change my ways too. There's certain writers I just won't click on what they write anymore because. Hey, that's my way of taking a stance. I don't know what other people do, but you got to go there. But um, let me, let me, let me change this for a second. A couple of guys on the roster that I've been thinking about. Um, Lance, I agree with you. I think I would go with Hunter Sharp as well. I got, even in the off season, I thought he was going to be some type of a secret weapon, a little bit of a letdown with some of the mental things that have gone on with the drops and um, he fumbled a snap. And even like those big third down plays, he, I was watching the game last week, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, this guy reminds me a little bit of Preston Parker, and I, and I, and I don't want to go there. I just want we need that role to be solidified, and I'm and I, and yeah. I'm thinking he could he could take it, he could take that role, and he's doing a lot to to drop it. it you know what I mean? No pun intended. Actually, right? Yeah. Um, the other um, the other guy that I'm interested to, or um, two two things, and I'll jump off, tight ends. This Ingram injury and if if there's anything going on with Ellison really complicates things. Um, I came on late, so I don't know if you guys addressed this, but if they have to take more tight ends, like and I'm thinking tops three with Adams, Ellison, and um, Ingram. and Ingram, and Ingram. Even though I like some of the other guys, I just don't think the roster will allow it, like to to really go four at that position. However, if there are injuries, that's going to doing to change that. And, um, Avery Moss is a guy that I just don't, I mean, even if he didn't, I don't know where he is on the depth chart. I don't know what he's exactly shown. I don't want to give up on a guy like that. After I one agree year. with you. i yeah, and, he intrigues me. Think, he's got look, look, big ups. I agree with that. He's, he's got ups. Like find a way to get him on any way you can, but yeah. it's really hard, Paul. It's I hard know it with, is. Well, it. you got it. He's in a
0: loaded position. I also think it's possible he could maybe be put on the practice squad, clear waivers, and get on the practice. There's squad. a potential. It's for possible. I would does not rule get that cut, out. I
1: hope he is there because I don't think he should leave the building. I think there's definitely something there. And then quickly about Ellison, he's in concussion protocol, but he's been out on the field in the sunlight. Uh, jogging on the side, and watching the team practice with the trainers. Uh, Usually when a guy is early in concussion protocol, they don't even have him outside in the light because light causes dizziness and headaches. So the fact that he's out there, that's a very good sign, like he is already progressing well coming out of it. And Ellison got poked in the eye and had a migraine during the course of the Jets game. He has been out there practicing. So I don't consider that to be an issue right now.
0: Before we get to the next phone call, I also want to expand on not trying to beat this Odell Beckham topic like a dead horse, but – Our producer, David Dominic doing some nifty research for us to just further prove when Odell Beckham's picked up a penalty how it has impacted the team. So if you go back to that Eagles game that Marco brought up, Paul, where the end zone celebration, he was penalized for unsportsmanlike conduct. Okay, the Eagles actually fumbled on the very next drive. Giants recovered. Odell scored his second touchdown. And then the next Eagles drive, they punted, and then the Giants scored on the Shepard 77-yard touchdown to give them the lead. But let's do some further analysis. So after the Odell penalty, Oldrick Rosas kicked off from the 20-yard line. It was a 74-yard kick, which was returned to the 29-yard line. If you remove the penalty and Rosas just kicks off normally, would have been a touchback to the 25. You're talking about a difference of four yards, a very minute impact on the team. So, you know, that's important to look at when you make the point of, oh, my God, what was he doing? What was he thinking? And so forth.
1: Anybody can express the opinion that they don't like it or that it's not a good look. I would never argue that. The optics, the optics argument. You are more than welcome to have that opinion, but to state it as a fact, as a factual detriment. Well, you've just laid out the evidence and it doesn't hold up.
0: Yeah, uh, great stuff uh, out of our producer, David Dominic. The other thing that I also wanted to clarify when we were talking about the special teams, Tom Quinn is a full-time assistant coach this season. Yeah. So he is going to be on the staff for the entire year, just to clarify that. He wasn't like a rental coach no, no, just no, no, filling no. in for a few days. Just Very want good. to get the right intel out here on the program. All right, now that that's clear, let's head back to the phone lines as we move along with the dialogue. Len is in Columbia, Maryland. Len, what's happening? How you doing? Doing well, Len. Hey, Len. How things yeah, are
6: you? Good, good. Um, to steal a line from my recent television ad, w- when I heard the rumor about Odell signing a couple of days ago, 48 hours ago, I broke out into my little happy dance.
0: Can you take a video well, of that, hey, Len, so we could post hey, it on social media? I could probably do it again and have my wife tape it. Uh, we would it love up. that. We would absolutely recommend that if that's oh feasible. Oh, my God.
6: All I can say is, my goodness, the, the guy's... The guy's worth four wins a year by himself. I mean, do you know how lucky we are to have Odell Beckham on this roster? I mean, dance, guys. I mean, this is, uh, you know, if we don't like the antics, you know, pull a Jim Leland and turn your back until the relief pitcher goes through his antics and it's over and then you go out and congratulate him. But, oh, man. Oh, man. I'm happy as heck that this guy's on our roster. But listen, let me tell you where I'm coming from with that. I, I drank some Kool-Aid in 1952, and I still got a little hangover. So <laughs>
3: if <you put> a, <laughs> That must have been some strong if a, Kool-Aid. If you put line.
6: a Giants uniform on, you're my guy. Yeah, but in Beckham's case, hey, it's going to work out. Hey, listen, approach to, um, you know, i got to get to what I told the guy I was going to talk about. Sorry about that. Uh, no they're always nice. They're always nice to say what do you want to talk about, and I, I try to address everything that I that I say. So uh, appro- approach the Thursday night's game. What do you, is this? And I'm going to exaggerate a little bit, but are we going to see two teams, 45 guys who don't play, and 45 guys who do play? I mean, what do we what do we think about Thursday? I mean, does Eli get a series? What are you What are you hearing? What do you think?
1: My my guess, because Coach Shermer would not reveal potential snap counts for the game. You know, he has always consistently said, I'm going to play the veterans who I think need to get prepared to get ready for Jacksonville, and those who are preparing uh, at practice and don't need the extra reps will not get it. So um, my opinion is I would want to see the starting offensive line for a quarter. I think they have played a total of five combined quarters through the first three preseason games, and I think they need more time because I don't think they're they're playing at their peak
0: yet. And they played with Davis Webb against Detroit, so it's very possible that they could get in, but Davis Webb could be the quarterback. I would think, from
1: from my perspective, there's no reason to play. If you want to just go by what Coach Schirmer said, that there are some guys who may not need the extra preparation. You don't think right. Eli does. You don't think Beckham does. You don't think Shepard does. You probably don't think Ingram does. I mean, to me, you you go with the starting offensive line. You probably want to start Curtis Riley at safety because he could use more work back there. But yeah. other than that, how many other starters do you really want to play in this game?
6: Well, there you go. There yeah. you go. There you go. My, my opinion on this is uh... – I, I can't I can't wait till it's over. I mean I can't wait till ten o'clock Thursday night. Get this thing over with. Let's let's get our fifty three and let's go Giants. Get on the field and, as Paul says, let's beat the Jaguars. Um the the, the fullback slot, I I, I know a coach likes fullback slot. I'm I'm still not convinced we got the right fullback. I, I don't know if he's you think he's really gonna go with, with Shane at 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 the fullback slot or you think there's somebody else uh on the waiver wire, I, I know he likes the fullback spot. I, I understand that, but I, I just can't find – I mean, do you, do you remember any play he made? I mean, you look Uh-oh. at last year. Make I mean, it simple, No yard man. on the ground, no catches. It, it's any. going to be simple.
1: If there's a fullback who they believe is more qualified on the list come September 1st, I'm sure that guy will come in here. Uh, I don't know that there are many pure fullbacks out there in NFL camps right now because a lot of teams have done away with them. So what's the odds that someone's going to cut somebody who is of
0: use? Well, And I think the other point is you mentioned, you know, has he done anything? Uh, I don't really remember a whole lot of opportunities with them targeting him in the passing game throughout the preseason, Lennon Fairness. But I will tell you this, any fullback that is on this team, the priority for them to be able to catch the football and execute is a huge factor is. in whether or not they make the team.
1: Because yeah. Coach Schirmer wants that flexibility to be yeah. able to throw it to him. So that is a yeah. big deal.
6: Now, you you guys are watching it more closely than I am. I, I mean, that's, that's a fact. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I can't even remember um, a, a block that stands out in my mind. I mean, what is a well? He also plays special play teams. Changing, you know, a play-changing block. And I guess I'm thinking, you know, maybe we go with with four running backs, no fullback.
0: I doubt it. Yeah, backs, that that I think really that I think, backs, that no I think is stretching it. I don't know. No, well, I, I put it this I, way: I think there's value in keeping. You're
1: it a more than back. likely to want a Henry Hynoski type back there than you are yeah, a oh, Madison yeah. Hedgecock, because even though Hedgecock nice. may have been a bit of a stronger blocker than Hynoski, Hynoski was able to catch the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, and that's yeah, the kind of true. guy
6: Shermer wants. True.
0: True. Yeah. Can, can, I, can we spend a minute on that? We've got to run. run. We, yeah, we, go. we, we want to try to fit in another caller here, Len, before we wrap up. So we'll, we'll save your next point for your next phone call. Do appreciate you weighing in. Let's hit up Jeff in Huntington. Jeff, what's happening?
7: Hey, hi, guys. Uh, maybe to end the show, I'd like to talk about the guy who really makes uh, the Giants work, and, and that's Eli. Um, I, I thank Ernie Acorsi from day one for sticking to it and making sure that he was the guy back in '04, uh... and w- you know you know how how hard it is and difficult it is sometimes to read eli because he's a straight hour he, he won't give you the highs or the lows but uh, this this last game, this third game of the uh, of the preseason versus the third game of last preseason, I I, so, I thought I was reading into Eli, in the way that he was uh, uh, stating what he felt about the team's offense. Last year, it, he would stop a play right at the beginning if he felt that the. Uh, blocking schemes or the routes being run were incorrect. He would just throw that ball into the ground, stop that play, and he did that so many times during last preseason, probably during the season too. And 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 sort of, I, I, I and I compare that to this last uh, uh, this uh, uh, third game this preseason where I never I I thought he was a very happy guy in that rolling pocket. Because I never saw the time that he had, he had in being able to launch a pass you know, and having the, the, the seconds to do that this time around. I, I just thought that he looked really happy in the pocket this time versus last year. I'm wondering what you think about that.
1: The, ro- the rolling pocket is something that Shermer wants to institute this year. He thinks that Manning has enough mobility back there to do it. And as a result, uh, you will see it.
0: And appreciate the phone call, Jeff. I, I also think in this preseason, I mean, there's been opportunities, specifically in the last game, where the pass protection was on point, Paul. I mean, he looked very comfortable because he had time to survey the field and, you know, hit his receivers yeah. down the field as well. The so The run
1: blocking has been more suspect than the pass blocking.
0: Correct. Uh, and that's why I think there's value if you want to put the first team offensive lineman out to see what they could do in getting that run game going. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But I think the pass protection overall is much further ahead. Agreed. In working out the kinks than the run blocking. So that'll be something to monitor in tomorrow's game. We will have another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Coors Light. You can download the Coors Live Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. That'll be tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern. Jeff Eagles and I will continue to set the stage for the final preseason game as the Giants get ready to wrap up the 2018 preseason against the Patriots, and then we can start focusing on week one of the games that actually count. We appreciate everybody for tuning in. Watch
1: MSG tonight, 6 o'clock, Giants training camp live. See you then, folks. All right, for Paul Dettino, I'm Lance Meadow. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Have a good one.